Okay, so this morning, and uh, we, I was going to kind of keep this one a secret, but you know, we, we kind of let it out a couple of days ago because really, really wanted everybody to make sure you focus on being here. And, and I thought some of you probably just showed up because you had to figure out what in the world that sermon title means. But today we're talking about Bo- Boaz's and Bozos. Boaz's and Bozos. Okay, so let's get started right here. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to compare Boaz because I want you, I want you to know the difference between a Boaz and a Bozo. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this sermon pretty much, is so you know the difference in a Boaz and a Bozo. So here's, here's a whole page of comparisons, right? First of all, one of them wants a help mate and one wants a help meet. This is, a, this is from Genesis chapter 2 where God created Eve to be a help meet. But some time in the past, uh, some people started calling it help mate. And they kind of changed the, the, the feeling and what it means there. Here's the difference. The help mate is one who kind of, you know, like, God gives me a helpmate. It's like I've got plans and dreams and ideas and God gives me somebody to help me make those things happen. Now that sounds pretty good, right? Until you realize what God really meant by that. He didn't mean a helpmate to help you accomplish your dreams. He meant a help meet. And, and this word meet here, I, I know it looks like it's a verb there, but that's actually an adjective. It means, it's, a, it's an old word. It's not one that you and I use a lot in this way. It means fit. It means a helper who is fit for you. And so instead of God bringing me somebody to meet, help me reach all of my goals and reach all of my dreams, he brings me someone, a helper who is fit for me, meaning that she fits alongside of me, and then we begin to have dreams and goals together. That's the difference in what these two things mean. And, and, and bozos, I mean, they, they're looking for a helpmate, somebody who will come in and, and be, their help, be their helpmate, but Boazes are looking for a helpmate. Bo, uh, one's looking for, or, or I'm sorry, one believes he's a gift to women, and one believes that she's a gift to him. One views her as property, the other views her properly. One exists for pleasure, and other, the other exhi- exhibits sacrificial love. One spends money on her and one invests in her. Sounds like little, little, just simple changes there, but they're very important and very deep. One flatters her and one compliments her. Do you know the difference? If you don't know the difference, then you're not going to be able to spot a, boa, a bozo over a boaz. You're not going to be able to figure out which, which, is which, which is which. One lusts after her and one loves her. One sees women as unrealistic images, the, the, the photoshopped and, and, and the airbrushed images that, that are all around us today, one of these sees women in, those, in these unrealistic images, but one of them sees in women the image of God. Let me remind you of this, guys. And also, you know, this is going to sound like a lot of this, like, like we're really leaning heavily on the guys. We're really leaning on them, you know. But this can be, this can be switched around, and so you ladies need to listen to this as well. But you need to remember this is that every person in this world is ever born was created in the image of God. And there is nothing that you need to see when you see in them until you have first seen the image of God that is in them. And when you start realizing that, it's going to help you with some of the temptations that you have, especially in our sex-crazed society. When you begin to see, first of all, that they were created in the image of God, it's going to help you deal with some of those other temptations because you're going to realize, whoa, wait, wait a minute, let me, let, I, I better kind of back up here and take another look. Okay, so it's, it's, it's pretty simple to me if you lay it out on paper, but sometimes it's not quite as simple. Okay, okay so we actually have something. I, I don't want anybody to think that this is a message for somebody else. There's something for everybody, I believe, in this room needs to hear. First of all, for those of us who are parents and grandparents, we need to help 
We need to teach our, our, our girls. We need to teach them to recognize the difference between the bozos and the boazes. We need, to, we need to train them. We need to instruct them. We need to show them. And, and, and then also, as, as parents and grandparents, we need to help our young men, our sons, our grandsons. We need to help them become the, Bo, the Boaz that, that God intended them to be and not turn into the, Bo, into the bozos that the world tries to make out of them. And the, so then also, let me say, I think, I think I'm going to say for the young, young men first. Let's see my next note. Yeah, young man, yeah. Young man, you need to understand this. There is a Boaz in you, but here's, here's the, the other thing that's dangerous. There's also a bozo in you. Okay, I didn't get any amens right there. I thought maybe some of you ladies would help me there, but come on, mom. Uh, come on, come on, uh, wives. I meant, you know, help me. There's that, there's a bozo. I mean, there's a bozo in me. And uh, that bozo comes out of me sometimes when I am least expecting it. Amen, amen, come on, right, come on. Guys, come on, you can help me too. I mean, we can be honest here, can't we? There is, a, I mean, come on, I need some of, you, some of you dads and granddads to help me out here and help these men, help these young men understand. We know what it's like. There is a bozo inside of us that if we don't stay on top of, the bozo is going to come out instead of the Boaz. But you need to focus, guys. Focus on the Boaz that is in you that God intended. And, and, and here's the thing to the young ladies, is that you deserve a Boaz. Okay, young ladies, again, I mentioned this just a few weeks ago. This is what I want to preach to you. This is what I want to pray over you today. You deserve to be romanced, to be loved, and to be married to a Boaz. And uh, if you're not married yet, I'm really focusing on you. But if you're married, and uh, sometimes you've got like, you, you get the bozo on one day and you get the Boaz on the next day or whatever, I'm praying over you as well today and believing God to do great things. But let me share just a few more little things about bozos before we get into the good stuff, okay? Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you gotta, you got to point out the bad stuff, you know, before you get to the good stuff. So just a few more things about bozos. And, and, and here, here's one of the first ones is that they're tiresome. I mean, have you ever been around somebody who just wears you out? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the spin class marine drill sergeant person, you know, and we've got one of those right here in our midst today as well. I'm not talking about those that, that tire you out physically. I'm talking about those that tire you out emotionally and mentally. That it's like every time you get around them, you, just, just a conversation wears you down because there's just, I mean, there's just so much... You know, it could be a bunch of things. It could be that they're always talking about me, me, me. Let me tell you about me and how much, you know, some, some of them, they're bragging on all the me that I've done. And then some of you got to tell, you know, got to always tell you about how bad their life is. You know, they got to one up you, right? You know, if you, you know, you had a cold, well, they had the flu, you know, if you had the flu, they had cancer, you know, if you had cancer, they died last week and they got, you know, brought back to life. You know, they've always got to one up. It's always about, and, and, and. You know, y'all know these kinds of people? I mean, you talk to, and you're just worn out by the time you get out of a conversation. Or you spend 30 minutes with them. It feels like you've been with them for four hours. You know, it's like, get me out of this. You know, you, please, somebody, my cell phone always works, but it never works when I'm hanging out with one of those. You know, the, the, the bozos, they're tiresome. They wear you out. You know, and, and, and I, I can tell you, and this, this, this again, this goes across gender lines, okay? This is not just about guys, okay? But, but you young ladies, you young men, Realize that sometimes the rest of us look at you and wonder, what in the world do you see in this bozo? Because he, did, I mean, he or she just wipes the rest of us out. There's just nothing there. I mean, they're exploiters. It's the second thing I think they're on the list is they're exploiters. 
is they take every single thing that is around them and just kind of use it up. You know, it's like, if there's any glory, they got to have the glory. If there's any time, they got to have the time. If there's a conversation, they've got to have the floor. And conversations really quickly turn into monologues instead of dialogues with them. They eat every single thing up because, thirdly, they believe they deserve. They believe they are deserving, that they deserve stuff, everything, that people owe them something all the time. Somebody owes me something. Somebody... Let me, let, let me just challenge you here to understand this. Young men, young women, hear this. You do not deserve anything more than just what is appropriate in relationship. It's like someone giving you the, the appropriate time or, or just treating you in an appropriate way. You don't deserve anything more than being treated rightly, like a Christian, like a friend like a brother or a sister, you don't deserve anything else, okay? Uh, as an unmarried, you know, I'm really talking to you. I'm not talking to, uh, about what a wife should expect out of her husband or a husband should expect out of his wife. I'm talking about those of you who are unmarried. You don't deserve any more than just to be treated appropriately. Meaning, okay, I'll, I'll just get a little more plain here. It's meaning you don't deserve a free dinner. Okay, you, you get invited out on a date or so, and you know, we just automatically assume the guy's going to buy the dinner, right? Let me tell you something, young ladies, you don't deserve a free dinner out of it. All you deserve is for him to treat you well. And guys, you don't deserve a kiss. Nervous laughter, cue right here, right? You don't deserve a kiss. I mean, we got this added. I buy her dinner, she owes me a kiss. The problem with that is there are some that won't stop their with believing that they deserve a kiss. You don't deserve anything except being treated appropriately, okay? Anything else you don't deserve. Here, here's the flip side of that also. You need to get this. Is no one you ever go out with that you date deserves more from you than being treated properly. She doesn't deserve a free dinner. He doesn't deserve a kiss or anything else. Y'all need me to get more graphic? Go any farther? You got it, right? Okay, parents are shaking their head. No, 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 don't, don't say anymore. We, we get it. We get it, Pastor. Go ahead. You, you can just go on past there. They don't deserve anymore. I want to free you from that. Because that's how you're going to get caught, young lady, that's how you're going to get caught with a, bo a bozo for the rest of your life, is when you start believing that, you, that, that the, the young men who take you out deserve something from you, that you owe them something. And if you got a big problem with that, just always tell them, we're going to be Dutch Street. My dad will pick up the tab. I bet he will. Amen. Amen. I, got, I, thought, I got some dads and some, some daughters around here. Amen. We will pick up the tab. And listen, if your dad won't, you come see pastor. Pastor will pick up. The, if that's what you need so that, so that they understand they don't deserve anything in this date except to be treated appropriately. If that's what you need, you come talk to pastor. I'll pick up your tab, okay? If that's what it takes, whatever it takes, because they don't deserve it. There's a scripture, and Jesus is the one that said this, Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. He says, don't throw your treasure to the pigs. Don't take what is awesome, wonderful, and beautiful that God has given you and give it to the bozos of this world. And I'm not just talking to the young men. I'm talking to the young ladies and both of you here. Is don't take the awesome and, and, and throw it to the pigs. But look, look for something Ex expect something greater, not a kiss, not a dinner. God is dreaming so much bigger than that for you. So 
let's now just get rid of the bozo. Can we just make the bozo go away? Let's, let's, let's quit talking about bozos, right? Let's focus on the Boazes. Let's focus on him. So let's go to the story of Boaz. And I don't know if you know the story of Boaz. I don't, I don't have time to really lay it all out for you. There's going to be a lot of stuff missing. It is a short book of the Bible. I mean, you need, to go to, you need to go to the book of Ruth and just read this awesome story if you don't know it. This, you know, better than, better than anything else you can read or watch on TV today is this love story that happens right here. I'm going to share some of it with you today. But there's so much more detail that you can't get. And I've got I to tell you. I got to tell you, you know, I've had this on my heart and I've had it in my notes several weeks and it's just never come up, you know, but you know, I told somebody right before service, it just never comes up. I guess while I'm on stage, it just never comes to my mind because God doesn't want me to say, but I got to tell you something. I got to tell you, and it's come to my mind right now. So maybe God wants me to say it right here, right now. You listen to me. You got to quit listening to the world. What the world says is the way things go. I got news for the world. That, there, that, that between what is right and what is wrong, there are not 50 shades of gray. There is a right and there is a wrong. There, there, is, there is a moral truth that is true right now, and it's true when you're on a date. And it's true on Friday night. It's true on Thursday afternoon. It's true when... It, it, it's true when... when someone is flirting with you, and it's true when you're standing in the presence of God. There, there are moral truths that are always right. There aren't all these shades of gray. I don't really know if this is or this isn't. There aren't. They aren't there. And you can read between the lines, Pastor. don't want to really get into a discussion about a, a movie or a, or a book here, but you, you understand what we're talking about, right? So let's look at this beautiful story about Ruth and Boaz. And this is chapter 2. Uh, we've skipped. Let me, let me tell you real quickly what happens in chapter one, just so you understand. Ruth, who is a Moabite, okay, she's from the the, the uh, clan or the, actually the, the nation of the Moabites. She is a Moabitess, and she is married to a, a, a young Jewish man, and he dies, and uh, his brother dies, and his dad dies. Now they were living in Moab, so now it ends up Ruth is just all by herself with her sister-in-law, who is also a Moabite uh, lady. And her mother-in-law, who is a Jew, named Naomi. And Naomi says, look, you girls, you can't take care of me. My, my sons are dead. My, my husband's dead. I've got to go back home. I've got to go back to Israel where, where somebody can take care of me and see to me. And so she's getting ready to leave. And Ruth said, I'm going to go with you. Now, they both say I'm going to go, but the other, the other daughter-in-law, she decides, no, I think I will stay here because I've got more promise here. But Ruth says, I'll go with you. So Ruth leaves, and as a Moabite, she, she doesn't have anything promised to her in Israel. There's nothing, because she, that's, that's not her nation. Those aren't her people. She just happened to be married to a Jew for just a few years. And so in chapter 2, we pick up where now she is back in, in Israel. She's there with Naomi. And, uh, and Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Okay, that's the guy we're talking about, right? Not the bozo, but the Boaz. So I want to tell you about the, bozo, the, the Boaz today. I want to tell you about him. All right. She had this man who was part of her family, or part of the clan. It doesn't mean like first cousin or anything necessarily, but part of the clan. Okay. And he was a man of, you see this? Standing. 
I, I, I researched, I dug in to see what that actually meant because if, if you're reading a, a different version, you know, because uh, we've had various translations of people trying to make, explain it better or whatever, and, and it'll say different things. Here's what I know about the Hebrew that says this, a man of standing here. It means this, is it means he had a reputation and it was a good one. Okay, now we don't know. Some people say, well, it means he had money. That's not really what it probably means there. If you look, it means he had a reputation. Okay, now listen, young lady and young men. That person that you're dating has a reputation. And you need to be asking yourself, what is the reputation? You don't need to just be walking blindly through a relationship without thinking about the reputation. You need to listen to what your friends are saying about the person that you're dating. And I'm not talking about your Facebook friends, okay? I'm not talking about those who, who, who comment about how cute y'all look together in that one picture that you got that was just perfect, right? You need, you need the people who you have confidence in who are seeing you on dated, not a snapshot, but are seeing, and not even a video, but the actual life that you and this person you're dating living. If somebody speaks something to you there that is negative, you need to, you need to pay attention to that. You need to listen because these are the people who know you. Where did he have a standing rep reputation? He had it in his own, you know, he had it in his own household. It was the people of his clan. It was the people of his community that said, he's a, he's a man of high standing. He's a man with a great reputation. You need to be listening to them. You know, I know you don't want to listen to your parents. You don't want to listen to your grandparents. But I hope you can find somebody. I hope you can listen to them. But if you can, if you're one of those that I, I just can't, I hope you can find somebody that you can listen to, you can have confidence in, that will tell you. That Boaz that you think you're dating? No, 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 that's a bozo. You need to be listening to it. Verse 4, uh, we're going to skip a few verses, get to verse 4. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, his, his own servants. These are people that are working in his fields. And he says, the Lord be with you. And they, they answered, the Lord bless you. Okay, so look here what we see about Boaz. Look how he talks to his servants. Look how he talks to the help. And this is not guys, you know, that, that, that he has hired, that are people on his, are on his board. These are the grunt workers. These are the laborers. These are the sweaty ones out in the field. They didn't deserve, I mean, the, the way the rest of the world was, they don't even deserve to, you know, for the owner of the field to even stop and talk to them. But what is he, he doesn't just stop and talk to them. He blesses them. He speaks a blessing. The Lord bless you. He speaks that kind of a thing. You need to pay attention to the way the person that you're dating speaks to other people. It, you know, I, I, I think I said this a few weeks ago, so let me say it again, okay, because I, I don't think everybody got it. Everybody wasn't here. But, you know, one of the best ways to find out, you know, because you're going to have a fight one day. I know, you know, you may be like me and my wife when we first got married, you know, you, you need to ask her. It's just an awesome, awesome story about how, how she, you know, we, it was just going to be wonderful. We're going to have, as she tells it, we're going to have our own little house our own little furniture, our own little dishes, and we were just going to enjoy life, and we were just going to love, it was just going to be so awesome. You know, we were never going to fight. We were never going to argue. I, I, you know, I, I wish I could remember. I should have marked it down on the calendar how long we, that actually lasted, you know, you know the, because we, I mean, we fought before we got married. You know, we argued before we get married. You are going to fight and argue. You want to, you want to know how that person that you're dating is going to fight and argue with you? Watch how they treat the last person they dated. That's how they're going to argue and fight with you when they get angry. You say, oh, but that's, they're angry. Yeah, but they're angry, right? And you're going to learn something. You want to see something else? Look at how they treat animals. Watch how they treat animals. If they are abusive to animals, that, that's, a, that's a red flag. 
You need to pay attention to that. I mean, come on. This is just plain, simple stuff here today. But you need to hear it. And when they mistreat an animal, that's a red flag. That, well, wait a minute. Because, oh, but they're just an animal. They were just servants. They were just sweaty old servants. But see what a Boaz, how a Boaz treats them. But there's another way that you need to pay attention to how they treat animals. Because if that person you're dating treats animals better than they treat humans, that's a red flag too. Because I, I, you just need to be reminded here, you are a human. You're not an animal. And so if they treat animals better than they treat humans, guess what? <laughs> you know, when they get upset, I mean, it's going to be the dog that they take up in their lap and they're pouting, you know, for the rest of the afternoon because they're mad at you, you know, because you're a human and you're not a dog or a cat or whatever. You need to pay attention. You need to pay attention to how they treat their parents. You need to pay attention to how they treat people that most of us wouldn't give the time of day. Because that's, that's where we begin to see the real beauty of who Boaz is. When he starts talking to those who nobody else would take time to talk to. Verse 5. And then Boaz, because uh, I, I didn't tell you this, Ruth, Ruth had been working in his field. And what they allowed is they would allow people who were poor to just go along behind them as they were reaping to just pick up the stuff that the reapers would leave. Like, oh, they left one here and they'd pick up some grain here and they'd pick up some here. Whatever was left, they could get. And so she had been doing that because they were de- she and Naomi were destitute. And so Boaz then asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? All right, now look at this. I mean, she must have been a looker, guys. Just think about this because uh, this is verse four right there and verse five. We didn't, we didn't skip a beat at all. Okay. The whole thing is right there. He walks up. He says, the Lord bless you guys. Oh, wow. Who in the world is that? You know, <laughs> that's the way it was. I mean, it's that quick. And then he asks, who, you know, he's like, oh man, I, I need to know about her. I hadn't seen her before. Who is this one? But look at what he does. He doesn't ask, who is she? Right, watch, watch the gentleman here. He said, whose is she? Or who does she belong to? He wants to know, is she betrothed? Is she engaged? Is she seeing somebody? Is she about to be married? Or is she already married? I've got to know, who who does she belong to? He doesn't ask who she is, but he asks, whose is she? Now, we've said this before to you. Here's the scripture that lays it out plain and simply to you. Boaz, as a gentleman, first before he said, man, this is, that's a good looking young lady right there. But before he even thinks about going and asking her, asking her out, I mean, that's what we would do today. Uh, you know, uh, that's what those of you who aren't married would do today, right? Before he would ask her out, what does he do? He says, does she belong to, that's what a gentleman does. A gentleman looks to find out what is the connection and is she promised to somebody else? Does she have something else going on in a relationship there? Because a, a gentleman, if he finds out she does, the gentleman says, okay, and he backs away. We've told you this before, young ladies, you need to hear this again, is your Boazes will never show up as long as you're hanging around with the bozos. And there's the proof right there. If she had been connected to some bozo, the Boaz would have said, I'll just leave her alone. Because the first thing he wanted to know was, who does she belong to? You know, as long as you've got the bozos hanging around you, Boaz is never going to be knocking on your door. Now, I know you guys are thinking, well, Pastor, come on, let's bring it up into, into today's time. I mean, you know, we, we don't ask for dates knocking on people's door anymore. You know, we just text them. Boaz's don't. 
You know, you get an invitation for a first date by a text, you ain't got a Boaz on the other side of that text, okay? Let me just tell you, 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 you know, and if you need a little bit of help on how to word the response, you know, just, just call pastor, okay? I can give you some good advice on how to, how to word that response. I don't know if you, if you know, ever have heard of E.V. Hill, um, old pastor who, who passed away several years ago. And he tells a story about one day, he was a pastor, okay? He's got a daughter. One day he said he went to the front door and he opened the door and he said, they're standing in front of me and he described the guy. Let me tell you, Job wouldn't have liked it, okay? Y'all heard Job over here, amen, and anything I say about daughters because he's, he's, a, he's a dad of two daughters, right? Two little girls. Job wouldn't have liked this guy. He describes who he is and everything and he said, can I help you? Evie Hill says, can I help you? And the man says, I'm here for your daughter. And he said, you ain't here for my daughter. And he closed the door. <laughs> and he walked away and his daughter heard, all, heard the door open and close and she said, hey, was that for me? He said, oh no, honey, that wasn't for you at all. <laughs> not at all. It's not for you. you. You need to be paying attention. You need to recognize, you need to say, I, I, I need to hurry. Let's go on to a verse, what, uh, verse number nine. And so here's what Boaz does. He goes over and talks to her. He says, don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the woman. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. Now here's what he's saying. He's saying, now look, don't go over that field because I've already told my men not to touch you, not to lay a hand on you. It might be dangerous over there. Stay here with my women. They can tell you where the best places are to glean. You know, and, and, he, and he's got this plan. He says, here, you're going to be protecting all this. He, he's got a plan that goes a long ways beyond this. Do y'all see where he's going? I don't know. Okay, you ladies may not see it, but we men, we see it. He said, now it could be dangerous over there, so you stay right here where they can't invite you out on a date. You stay right here because we're going to take care of it. We're going to protect it because I've got designs. I've got a plan. You know, here. he had a plan. He had a plan. Let me tell you, everybody has a plan. Everybody has an agenda. And you need to figure out what that agenda is. Man, young man, young lady, you need to figure out what their agenda is what it is that is their plan. Go on to verse 14, I believe here, or verse 9. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar with me. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some of the roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. Okay, so look what it is. He says, the, the men have set some water pots over there. And he says, I want you to go get water when you're thirsty. And he says, come down here and sit. He said, here's some bread. And he said, dip it with me in the sour wine. It was like, it was like a dip, so you're not eating just dry bread. Okay? He said, dip it in the sour wine with me. And, and then <coughs> the Hebrew there, when it says that he, he, he tells her to get some grain, he actually says that he reached her some grain. Now, some of you, you remember your, your, par your grandparents used to say that kind of thing. You know, reach me some potatoes or something. You know, it just means like pass me the potatoes. That's the way we say it. The actual Hebrew there says that he reached her some grain or he reached for it and he handed it to her. Okay? I, I want you to mark this because I'm going to come back to this at the very close. Is, is he made sure she had something to eat and she had something to drink, okay? And you got to remember who she was too, right? You remember who she was? Let's go on, uh, verse uh, 15, 16, somewhere there. And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Uh, so what he's saying is, as she is gleaning, and this word gleaning means that, you know, when, when they drop some, she can pick it up and take it to her because they would leave it for the poor. And so that's what she was doing is gleaning. And, and, and Boaz says, as she is gleaning, leave some on purpose. 
Okay, even pull out some stalks for her for the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. He said, so if you drop something, leave a little extra. He said, and even pull some out and drop for her. Here's the plan, okay? Now we're seeing the reality of the plan. And I'm, I gotta tell you, Boaz is a chauvinist. And you know what? So was E.V. Hill. He, he even said, he said, I, he said I'm the, he, he talked about his, his daughter finally getting married one day, and he said, I'm the president of the, chauvin, of, of the American Chauvinistic Club of Men, and he said, and my son-in-law is the vice president. You know, and let me tell you, I'm part of that club also. I believe that men ought to do. I believe that men ought to. We're seeing the plan here now, and the plan here now is I want to take care of this lady. I'm not going to spend on her. I'm going to invest in her. I'm not going to flatter her. I'm going to compliment her. I'm not going to, to, I'm not going to present her as something. I'm going to present her to myself. And, and, I, and I think about the scripture there. We don't have time to get to it, but if you go to the Sunday's page today, you'll see, uh, you'll see the rest of the scriptures there and things I can't get to in Ephesians chapter 5 where it talks about that's what a man does, is a man, a true man, a gentleman, a Boaz. He wants to present to himself a wife that is fit and fitting for him, that fits him, that fits him, that is beautiful, that is wonderful, that is without spot, raiment, or blemish. I said last week, you remember me saying last week, I, I just don't get this, how, how people encourage other people to ogle their spouses. I don't, I don't understand that. You know, that, you know, they encourage them to dress provocatively because they like other people looking at their spouses. I don't get that. Maybe, maybe I'm just a little jealous or something, but I don't get that. That's not a Boaz. A Boaz doesn't want to do that. A Boaz, Boaz is a chauvinist. You know, I, when my son-in-law Bradley asked me for Kristen's hand in marriage, I'll tell you something, guys, that's a Boaz act, okay? Don't, don't let her just go home with a new ring and say, hey, look, 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 look. When Bradley came and he asked me for Kristen's hand in marriage, if, if it'd be okay if, if, if he asked, the one thing, we talk, we talk, but the, really the one thing I told him is I told him, I, I, I believe that women ought to be treated like ladies in the image of God, the princesses that God intends them to be. If we're children of the king, you know, and I didn't go into this much detail here, so, but, I, but this is the stuff of what telling him. And I said that, I said, I just want you to promise me that, that you will do that and you will take care. A Boaz will treat you like you're supposed to be treated. There may be a little bozo show up every once in a while. After you get married, he's going to show up some every once in a while. But if he's showing up regularly before you get married, man, it's time to break that one off, go somewhere else and start looking for something else. Let me, let me hurry right here into my scriptures. And this is in uh, verse 11 and 12. I'm backing up a little bit because I, I skipped some verses coming back to them because I want you to see now, when you see all this care and all this work, everything that Boaz is doing, I want you to see, I want you to see why he's doing it. He says in verse 11, 12, he says, Ruth, I've been told about all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother, your homeland, and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He said, I've heard. I've heard about you. And I didn't know who you were when I saw you in my field. But then when I asked and they told me, you're the one that I'd heard about. 
He said, I want you to know, may God bless you, may God bless you. And in his heart he said, oh, mm-hmm. that's not just a looker, that's a keeper. He saw something in Ruth that was worth chasing. He saw something that was worth pursuing. And, and, and can I say, uh, go on to our next slide, I think, I think, I hope that's the right one, yeah. Boaz saw something worth chasing. But let me, let me, let me, let me also say this to you young men. Find a woman worth chasing. Okay, I, I know this has sounded like I've been harder on the guys than I've been, no, I'm talking about both of us, okay? I'm talking about both sexes here, both genders, is find, find a young woman worth chasing. Those who are throwing themselves at all the young men, those who are, there's a little term there that I came out, I just, you know, don't want to say it here, but those who make it a little too easy, find someone worth chasing. And young ladies, hear me, hear me say this also, you are worth chasing. You're worth chasing. You're worthy of a Boaz in your marriage. You're worth being married to a Boaz because that's who God created you to be. Even though I know, I know some of you young ladies, you've, you've walked in a direction maybe that the world has encouraged you that this is the way you have to go to find that mate for the rest of your life. That maybe you're, you've been one that have, has thrown yourself at the young men. I, I guarantee you all the ones out there willing to catch you, they're bozos. And you may have been one of those, that saw no, but you heard me pray the prayer at the beginning of this message. I believe this. I heard Jimmy Evans say it again last night at date night, a video we watched. I heard Jimmy Evans say it again last night, is that God can restore. He can even resurrect what we have killed. So, so no, no matter how far you've gone away from being that, that beautiful woman of God that God called you to be and destined you to be, and he created you to be in the first place, he can turn all that around. You are still, you hear me, because some of you are wondering, you hear this, you are still worth a Boaz. You are worth being chased. You are worth being pursued. So quit worrying about it. Boaz is coming. Don't get in a hurry. Boaz is going to show up. And you want the Boaz. If I, if I haven't convinced you yet, let me share with you one last thing, okay? There'll be a couple of verses of Scripture here, but let me share with you one last thing. This is in chapter 3, verse 9. When they, you know, Ruth goes through this little thing that Naomi says you need to do, and so now, boom, now Boaz is at a place that he's got to, okay, what's going on here? And so he asks her, who, who, who are you? What's going on here? And she says, I'm Ruth, your servant. Uh, spread out your robe over your servant because you are a redeemer. This is, a, this is actually a thing where it's kind of like leap year. If you, do the, if you do it this way, you know, you can get, actually ask the guy to marry you. And, uh, and so she had kind of put herself there and said, I'm Ruth. I'm just your servant. But you have the right to be my redeemer. Would you redeem me? And, I mean, if you just take the first and the last of that there, that's what she says. I'm your servant, and you are a redeemer. I, I, I know those of you who are like students of the Word, you really like to study, you like already, ooh, foreshadow of Jesus Christ right there. Oh, I am a nothing God. I've messed up, and, and I'm destitute, and I don't have anything, and I don't have anybody. 
but you're the redeemer. And you can restore. And that's what Ruth told Boaz. You're a redeemer. You can restore. So how can, she, how, how can he restore? How can he do that? Let me show you how well he did, okay? All right. It's Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3 and 4. Now, this was written about almost 400 years earlier before the story of, of Ruth and Boaz, okay? And this is what God told the Israelites. He said, no Ammonite or Moabite. Remember what Ruth was? She was a Moabite. Remember I told you that at the very beginning. God says, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants for 10 generations may be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. He's saying, you cannot bring them into your, into your family and into your home and then bring them into the assembly of the Lord. You, you can't bring them to the temple. If you marry them, you can't bring them to the temple. So don't marry them. Don't bring them into your family. Don't bring them into your life because you cannot bring them to me, he says. To the 10th generation, he says. The, and here's the reason. These nations did not welcome you with food and water when you came out of Egypt. This is the reason. When you came out of Egypt and you needed food and you needed water, the Ammonites and the Moabites, they did not, they would not even give you the time of day. And so God says, they will not come before me in my presence for 10 generations. And according to how you gauge generations, we're somewhere between 10, you know, Ruth is somewhere either like 11, 14, 15 generation from this being written and said by God. And God said, no Moabite will come into my presence. But Boaz did it, yeah. But he did it to one that was after. And you, and you see what he did? You remember what he did? God said, here's the reason you can't is because they didn't bring food and water to you. But what did, Mo, what did Boaz do? He took the crime that the Moabites and the Ammonites, but the crime that the Moabites had committed against the Israelites, and he turned it around and he rectified it by him paying that. In that the Moabites would not give the Jews food and water, but here was a Jew named Boaz who now turned to a Moabite and he said, I want to give you food and water. Look at restoration that is there. Look at the rebuilding that is there. You see, we're, we're all going to make mistakes. You might not be one that has thrown yourself at every young man. You might not be one that has taken advantage of every young girl that has come by you, but some have. But all of us are going to make some mistakes. And what you need is, is you don't need somebody who's going to come in and just help you make more mistakes. You need somebody who's going to come in and help you be restored and help you be redeemed. And that's what he did. He turned this curse. Imagine, it would be like me saying, okay, we're about to stand up and sing this last song, which we're going to do in just a few minutes. But you, 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 and you, you can't stand up and sing with us today. You cannot go into the presence of God. That's what the, the curse was there. You are cursed from coming into his presence. But Boaz turned it around. But he did more. Is that, is that, is that not enough? But there's even more. I got to show you what happened with this. It's because, let me, you know, Ruth and Boaz get married. And they have a son. Got, got a little bit of a tree we're going to build here. They had a son. His name was Obed. Y'all know Obed? I don't know a lot about Obed. Okay. Uh, but then Obed had another son. He had a son, and his name was Jesse. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Sunday school, wait, let's back up. I think I remember who that was. Anybody know who Jesse was? Jesse was the father of David, the king of Israel, the man after God's own heart, the one. And, and I know Saul was the very first king, but because of wickedness in him, God, God took the king away from him and gave it to David and established it in David's household and in his lineage. And, and all of those that followed after David were the kings of Israel. 
This is who Ruth became. Ruth became the great-grandmother of the, of the first of the lineage of the kingdom of Israel. She became the great-grandmother of David, the one who wrote all those psalms that's there. This is, this is who she was. She was a nobody. She was a Moabitess that could not even come and stand in the presence of God. Yet of her great-grandson, it would be said, he is a man after my own heart, God said. That's what would be said of him. Is that not enough for you? You want to see some more beauty of what God dreams for those who will follow his plan? There's 26 more generations from, from David. And so instead of boring you with all these names that I don't even know how to pronounce anyway, thankfully, Obed, Jesse, and David, those were easy, right? I got those. But a lot of these others, the next 26 generations, I can't get them. But can anybody guess who is the next, the 26th? Finally, we get to a name you probably recognize. Two names, actually. In the, 27th, the 26th and the 27th generation is a man named Joseph and his earthly son named Jesus. How beautiful is the dream that God is dreaming over you? That Ruth was in, a, in her own homeland and everything was gone. Everything was, her husband was dead. Every, every hope she had of a future was gone. And God took her and by, by accident placed her in a field owned by a man who would not just redeem her, but who God would use to help them birth and be the ancestors of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's what God wants to birth in you. But as long as you as long as you're in, are content with bozos, as long as you're content with that, you'll never get this big, beautiful dream. I dare you. I challenge you today. Why do you care, pastor? Because I'm a pastor. It's not a title. It's a heart thing. I care because I'm tired of seeing people, young people, throw away their lives. Throwing the treasure to the pigs. I challenge you. Straighten yourself back up. Throw your shoulders back. Claim to be the man and the woman of God that God intended you to be. Become him. Become her. And believe that God has every best thought and dream for you in the future. Can I ask you to do something? Would you join me? I went a little long this morning, but I apologize. Would you stand and join us at the front? If you're a first-time attender, we'd like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song. The worship team is getting ready to lead us in a final song. And if you're a first-time attender, we'd love to have you join us up front. If you're, uh, if you're married and the bozo comes out every once in a while, we'll try to deal with that later. We want to pray for you. Man or woman, you know, if you're a male bozo or a female bozo, either way, you know, we, we want to pray for you. We want to help you. We want to encourage you. But if you're not married, I want to, you know, I, I, believe, I believe you need to ask God for things. I don't believe anybody just stands and God just pours stuff all over them. I, I, I just don't see that in the Bible. You know, God just says, okay, uh, I'm going to bless that one, even though they hadn't even asked me for it. And I, I, I see you're supposed to ask for it. 
I believe you, I should believe you should ask for it. So I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the opportunity right now. If you're not married, if you're not married, you know, we don't do anything weird here, but I, just, I want you to step forward. I want you to say, I want the dream. If you're not married, you say, I want, the, I want God's dream in my life. I, I'm tired of my dreams that just don't seem to be working out. Bozos keep showing up. Or it keeps coming out of me. I'm not married, but I want the dream. I want to ask you to just step a little closer to me if you would. Come on, walk up this way. Get a little closer. Just for this closing prayer and closing song. I'm not married, but one day I want the dream. I want every bit of it, all that God's got for me. Amen. Come on. Some of you have been married before, but you're young and you feel that way. You know, listen, any of you older, you don't want another man, that's okay. You can just stay in the back. If you don't, okay, that's fine. But those of you who say, I want the dream. I want the beauty. I don't want to follow. You know, I, I mentioned, I think it was last week, there was a, a young lady read this article last week. And I'm sorry it came to my mind. I need to say this to you. Some of you weren't here last week. This young lady said, me, when I was back in high school, me and my friends, we wrote down what the, what the perfect, the ideal mate, husband would be. And she said, I wasn't dating anybody. She said, so I was writing all this stuff down. She said, but my two friends, they were dating somebody else. And what they wrote down was they wrote down exactly the guy that they, you know, they described his hair. You know, everything exactly. And she said, neither one of them ended up marrying that guy. So if, if you are so focused on what you've got that you can't say, God, what you got? You're going to end up with a bozo. Are you going to end up being a bozo? Let God bring you the dream. Can I ask you, you step forward, can I ask you to take a couple more steps just a little closer?